This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you by Samovar Tea. Learn more at samovarlife.com. And by listeners like you. To learn more and make your own donation, please visit insideactingpodcast.com. Welcome to episode 39 of Inside Acting. I'm AJ Meyer. And I'm Trevor Elgott. And on this podcast, we attempt to crack the code of the entertainment industry one conversation at a time. And to that end, we interview casting directors, managers, agents, other actors, filmmakers, writers, anybody involved in the entertainment industry, and we pop them into this little podcast and deliver it to you. To an iTunes, to an store, iTunes store near you. We've gotten a few requests actually recently for the actual podcast feed um, on Twitter and stuff. People have been asking for like the the, um, the actual um, URL feed so they can pop it into other podcatchers. So oh. we've heard you, and if you haven't received that yet, um, hang tight. We're gonna, we're going to get that to you. So cool. Um, cool. We'll, we'll send you that link. Um, and uh, the way that those people requested that was through Twitter, which you can uh, follow us at Inside <laughs> Acting. Um, and you can also send us emails at InsideActingPodcast at gmail.com or uh, call our voicemails. Yeah. And, yeah. Check we, out our website. There's a, all the different ways to get in touch with us through there. And we really hope you guys will because we are just two dudes of the podcast. We don't pretend to know everything. And we hope that if you hear something that you disagree with or that you want to chime in and you know, give your two cents on that you'll uh, that you'll call or email or whatever and let us know. And we actually had a listener uh, write in while we were interviewing this episode and next episode's interview, um, which is Mark Atterbury. So we're very excited to have him on the podcast. Uh, you guys may re- recognize his name from uh, our trip to Actorfest. Mm-hmm. We met him there, and he we we went up and, and talked to him because we thought that so much of what he had to say aligned with our. The stuff that we talk about on the podcast all the time. Yeah. And he had heard of us, which was very I know, that humbling. was cool. <laughs> that was really, really cool. <clears throat> very humbling. Very cool. Yeah. And so he is our guest this week. So we've got part one of that interview. So I hope you, you are uh, excited about that and uh, stick around. Uh, we do, we don't have really any voicemails this week to uh, to go over, do we? Uh, I don't think so. No voicemails. Uh, really, no emails. No, everybody stopped loving us. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the holidays. You know, people are people are busy. But we know you guys are still out there listening. You know, That's a lot of true. you have been great uh, interacting with us on Twitter, and, and we love that. Um, and the interview. I mean, Mark had so much to say that. Um, the, the the bookends for this episode are probably going to be yeah pretty we, short. Anyway, we, we talked to Mark for probably a good hour and twenty minutes um, online. A, there's, there's, yeah, on and the then, on the then, yeah, and then offline we talked to him for a good. 40 minutes and plus more. And we didn't know? even get everything we wanted to talk about. As soon as we stopped recording, we were like, oh, man, we didn't even... We forgot to ask you about this, this, and this. Because, see, this guy is just a wealth of information. There's a lot of good nuts and bolts type stuff. So, we'll... Uh, I guess we'll... We'll, we'll get into that a little bit more quickly than usual uh, yeah, on this episode. that's awesome. But, uh, but first, something has been keeping Trevor very busy. <laughs> and I'm going to bring it up if he doesn't. I'm sure he will. But... Um, Go for it. bring it up anyway. <laughs> um, so, I got a chance to actually attend... The musical that Trevor's been working on, uh, group at the Los Angeles Theater Ensemble last night, and I'm not just saying this because it's my theater company as well, but oh my goodness, was it an amazing show! And Trevor once again um, just really stepped it, like just took another huge leap as an actor. I remember saying on this very podcast that you were doing some things in Gospel According to First Squad that were that I'd never seen you do as an actor before, and last night sitting there watching group, I, I, I saw that again. And the the confidence and swagger with which you approach this this role is not only perfect for the character, but it also is so. It's such a. I hope you get get people to come see you in this because it's such a showcase for you. The play. I mean, you know, I was talking to some people after the show last night, and it's almost like a play with music because yeah. the music is so yeah. sort of earthy mm-hmm. um, that. <clears throat> It doesn't really feel like a musical sometimes, and especially what I'm specifically referring to is your scenes in the second act where there's just no music at all, and they're just scenes, these really powerful scenes, and, and that was your scene in the, in the second act, one of my favorite moments in the entire show. So um, a big congratulations to my friend and co-host, 
Mr. Trevor Alga. <laughs> Thank you so much, dude. Uh, well, you know, it's I, I I love that scene that you're referring to, and even Adam, who who wrote the play and co-wrote the music. He said he he loves that scene too because he says there's no scene you don't see scenes like this in a musical where the band leaves the stage and it's just the two actors for like an extended I mean that's like eight pages of dialogue you know yeah. and it's like heavy dialogue so it's it's really interesting musical it's not it's not a musical musical you know it, there's music in it and it is a musical in the sense that the actors sing about what they're feeling but it it, it has a different feel than than many musicals and I think earthy is a good way to put it yeah because it well, does have an earthy feel as as quantifiable as that may or may not be it's interesting because somehow the sort of indie folk rock music lends itself to the uh reality of the musical like it's a very like realistic yeah musical which is ironic because when you think musical you you think like people don't just break out into song yeah, yeah. but in this world they do well the, you know? the premise of it is that this, these people are gathered in a room with a, a, a doctor who's a musical group therapist and so singing is kind of built into the premise of the show is that these characters sing about their feelings so i i i didn't even know that that was real yeah <laughs> I, I mean i did a little bit of research but i didn't think to research musical group therapy because it didn't seem like something that was real but we had some musical group therapists come to see the show well and, and then, i was like oh my god this is a real thing and apparently it's not uncommon yeah and then we sit down to interview mark atterbury yeah. And we're talking to him about what he did, you know, before becoming an actor. And he went to USC because he was a musician and really into music and he wanted to learn composition. So he went to USC to study composition and psychology and he was going to be a musical therapist. Yeah. When he so, said so, that, I was like, you're not going to believe this, Mark. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Trevor whipped that postcard out so fast. He's like, you got to come see my show, man. You got to come see my show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was uh, that was crazy times. Yeah. But, um, fantastic show. Um, check it out. Seriously. I'm, I'm recommending it like with no hesitation whatsoever. And it's in previews right now. Yeah. So, so they're going to be changing it and molding it. And, and it's going to continue to improve. And, um, you know, I'm... I'm uh, putting together uh, uh, an email for uh, the creatives who asked for my, f- my feedback, um, but it's mostly praise. I've just got a lot of really great things to say about the show. It's it's good stuff. That's awesome. Right on. And if anybody's interested in um, finding out more about it before you, you spend your 10 bucks to come see it, um, you can hit up our website, our Theater Ensemble's website, and a song from the show that we recorded in the studio will start playing automatically. So you can hear the very first group the musical studio recording um, <laughs> there so you go. go to latensemble.com we'll throw a link up on the website and uh, you'll hear the song titled uh, it's right here it'll just start playing and um i th- it's I- i'm very excited and honored to be in this show and i'm really excited to be working with isaac wade who I think is a phenomenal, phenomenal actor. So tremendously talented. Well, after working on The Good Prisoner with Paige White, and now on this show with Isaac Wade, it's like... <clears throat> I, you're get, yeah, you are getting a little spoiled, I, aren't I'm you? Get, well, I'm getting schooled is what I'm getting. And, and, and schooled, I mean, in like a, this is what really good acting is, Trevor. Are you going to hold your own in this scene, or are you going to just let them you run do, circles around you? Do, you did in Good Prisoner, you do here, so don't... Uh, Thanks, man. Don't worry about that. So that's that. Do what's, you, what's do you have a pick of the week? I do, I do. What is it? Um, did you want to talk at all about what you're up to? What, I'm not up to anything. anything. Come on, man. All right. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm. Uh, I you know, I, I I've been doing the voiceover stuff um, yeah, a lot yeah. lately, which is keeping me busy, um, which is awesome. Just working on this podcast, I feel like I feel like so much of our time lately has been you know working on uh, on on our little baby here, you yeah, know, which yeah, is yeah. so like it's like we're recording, it's like meta. We're recording the podcast and going, "What have you been up to? I've been up to this." <laughs> yeah, 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 it's weird. <laughs> Actually, I've mentioned this in the podcast before, and I wanted to have it be a, you know, quote-unquote official pick of the week a little while ago, but I 
never seem to squeeze it in, um, is a website, 750words.com. Ah, yes. I love this site. I'm on a 71-day writing streak. I'm going for that last badge that you can earn, which is 100 days in a row. That's 71? The only, there's two badges I haven't earned yet, and one of them is 100 days in a row, and the other one is a, a morning writer. You write your, your pages in the morning. So w- this website, if anybody who hasn't heard of it, it's based on a concept from The Artist's Way, a book by Julia Cameron, um, which is kind of like a self-help book for artists. It's a very creative kind of course. It's a 12-week course. And yeah, I it, think we've talked about it on the podcast. We talked before. about it a little bit, yeah. And in it, she recommends um, sitting down, uh, every morning, she says, I think she literally says, roll out of the bed and onto the page is how she puts it. But you, you wake up every morning, you write three pages of kind of stream of consciousness, just brain vomit onto the page just to kind of brain dump and, and get your thoughts out there and practice the, the art and the muscle of, of writing. And so this website is basically centered around that. He took the 750 words concept from 750 words being, give or take, three pages. Oh. So um, now it's the same thing. It's the morning pages thing that Julia Cameron recommends, but it's on a website. So you can do it digitally and you, you can get a streak going. Like he's got all sorts of little incentives to keep you writing every day from earning different badges for your different typing behavior. Yeah, like on um, Foursquare or some yeah, of those other yeah. like, social networking um, sites or uh, like, what would Foursquare be called? Like social networking geolocation Huh. Yeah, I don't even sounds, know how to describe it. That sounds about right. Yeah, um, but you can also he's got like when you when you log in and you start writing, you you got these little boxes across the top of the page, one for every day of the month, and as you write, you get a little X in each box. So you can see your streak going, your kind of chain building, and um, it's really it's really great. It's been absolutely essential for me to kind of flex that writing muscle and keep that going, and and it kind of birthed you know my participation in National Novel Writing Month, and now I have these I have an idea for a short film and for possibly a web series, and mm-hmm. it's all because of the, I just flex that writing muscle every day on that website so yeah my pick of the week 750 words check it out awesome use it love it awesome awesome um about you so my pick of the week is a quote actually and uh i i this is kind of circuitous how this quote came to me but basically somebody wrote about it in this sort of about me page that they sent out to a bunch of our co-workers at, at my at my job and I read it and immediately fell in love with it, and I emailed him back, and I was like, who wrote that quote? And it's actually kind of surprising who wrote it and in what context. So I'm actually going to read the quote first, then I want to talk about it, then I want to tell you who wrote it and in what context, and then I want to read it again, and maybe talk about it some more if we want, okay? Okay, So check this out. Nobody tells this to people who are beginners. I wish someone told me. All of us who do creative work, we get into it because we have good taste, But there is a gap. For the first couple of years you make stuff, it's just not that good. It's trying to be good. It has potential, but it's not. But your taste, the thing that got you into the game, is still killer. And your taste is why your work disappoints you. A lot of people never get past this phase. They quit. Most people I know who do interesting creative work went through years of this. We know our work doesn't have this special thing that we want it to have. We all go through this. And if you're just starting out or you're still in this place, you got to know it's normal. And that the most important thing you can do is do a lot of work. Put yourself on a deadline so that every week you will finish one story. It is only by going through a volume of work that you will close that gap and your work will be as good as your ambitions. And I took longer to figure out how to do this than anyone I've ever met. It's going to take a while. It's normal to take a while. You've just got to fight your way through. Okay, who said that? That's amazing. <clears throat> okay, I don't want to. I don't want to give that away. Just I quite must yet. know. Just quite. Um, just knee jerk gut reaction right now. I love that because that jives with so many things I've heard. So many successful actors say in interviews when they say, "What? What do you? What advice do you give actors?" And they all almost kind of unanimously say, "Just." Just act. Do whatever you have to do. Go out on the sidewalk and do monologues. Like do whatever you have to do. Just act, act, act. And right. it's that whole ten thousand hours is what leads to mastery over a skill that Malcolm Gladwell talks about right. in his book. Um, what outliers? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, so I love that. I love yeah. it. My that that rings true on so many levels. Yeah, it's so good. I feel like maybe we should throw it up on a PDF and and, and post it on the website. Yeah, or so people can print it out and yeah, stick it on their wall, stick it on their wall and stuff, and take pictures or whatever. Back to us. <laughs> right, um, right. Yeah, it belongs in a vision a vision uh, wall for sure. The thing that struck me about this was 
what he says. I just gave it away to he. What he says about the the gap between your work and your taste or ambitions. Because one of the things that, how do I describe this? One of the things that always scares me, like literally like frightens me about me as an actor is what if my intention, like what I think I'm doing in my head is not actually coming out of my instrument. Does that make sense? We've, we've kind of alluded to this through that facial uh, <clears throat> analysis thing yeah, we were talking a, about. A, a, a little bit, ago. a little bit, but it's, it's, it's more encompassing than that. It's like I, I know the choices that I'm trying to make. I know that I understand this character. I know what I want this character to go through. I know what I want this character to say and sound like and look like when he's saying these certain lines. Mm-hmm. But when I go to do it, is it actually happening? Right, right. Is it actually coming out of me the way that I envision it? Is the other person in the room, be it a casting director, an audience member, a director, a producer, are they receiving it the way that I want it to be intended? Mm-hmm. That gap <clears throat> to yeah. me is is really fascinating. And I just kept reading and rereading and rereading this quote because I was just like, that applies to so many. And the thing is, it applies to so many artists as well, which is why I didn't want to give away who said it and in what context quite yet because the guy who sent this out to our coworkers is a graphic designer hmm. and i thought it was a graphic designer saying hmm. this quote but it applies to acting it applies to art of all kinds yeah so do you have anything else you want to say before i uh spill the beans oh, I, I wonder i, I kind of want to continue this conversation a little bit because i wonder <clears> if that if you feel that that gap between what you are doing and what other people perceive you're doing mm-hmm. what, what you were just talking about yeah uh I wonder if you think that will ever be closed. I think the I think it's like a, a sense. Like I think it's like they say when you're when you're moving. Um, I'm thinking of this in the context of weightlifting. Like you have, they say you should you should watch yourself in a mirror when you first start doing an exercise to make sure that your form is correct and that as you get better, your your kinesthetic sense develops and you don't need a mirror because you're you become more aware of your body and how it's moving and how it's balanced and things like that. So your kinesthetic sense with acting, I think gets better the more you do it. But I Absolutely. wonder if you think that that, w- that gap will ever be closed. And if it does, is that a good thing? I don't know that it'll ever be 100% closed. I don't think so. I either. don't think so. And I think that yeah. that, that, that that gap is is where imagination lives. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's like the gutter in comic books. I don't know if I've ever talked about this before, but the space between each frame um, in a comic book is called the gutter, and the story in a comic book doesn't happen in the frames; it happens in the gutter because that's where your imagination lives. <laughs> Right, I love so, that. So, I mean, I, I love that. It, 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 I'm not trying to say your imagination lives in the gutter. No, but I am <laughs> get trying your imagination to, out of the get gutter. your imagination out of the gutter. But I am, but I am saying that your imagination lives in the gutter. Right, that's where it lives. Right, and so that's why the story gets told there. And your your mind is so much more powerful than ink on a piece of paper. Mm. So you fill in those gaps with your imagination, and it becomes so vivid. You know, so much more vivid. <sighs> Than what's actually there, right? So that that gap between what you're doing and what um, they perceive, I, I, I feel like there's room for imagination. Do you, do you, to hear, the, you hear that sound right now? Is that a knowledge that, bomb? That dropping? sound? No, no. That that sound right there is the sound of my noodle being baked. <laughs> awesome! I'm so glad I did it this time. <laughs> that that I don't know. That makes me feel so good that I I, I was able to to, to bake Trevor's noodle. Uh, that's where you know. That's where your. Uh, that's I, I feel like the gap between perception and and what you feel like you're doing that that's where maybe your imagination you know leaks out of you and it meets theirs sort of halfway Mm. that being said to answer your other the other part of your question which is how do you continue to work to close that gap i think it's the other the second half of this quote which is keep working at it yeah because if you do do those ten thousand hours that malcolm gladwell talks about and you get to a point where you know yourself, you know your body, just like you were saying with the kinest, um, kinesthetic sense, yeah. sense, right? That's that's about knowing your body. Actors have the same thing. That's actually one of the reasons it's important for an actor to work out. Yeah. You know your body, you know your instrument, mm-hmm. you know yourself. Yeah. Right? It's what uh, Bjorn Johnson was talking about in our last interview. Yeah. It's like if you get to know yourself, then it makes it easier for you to communicate what it is that your intention is. Yeah. Right? Your communication sort of starts to become one with your intention yeah you know 
So this quote was written or said by actually Ira Glass. Wow. On his show. Uh huh. And he was talking about it in um, the context of journalism. And how it, it's like sort of universally applicable. So many things are universally <clears throat> applicable, especially when it comes to art. There's, there's the, the, the borders between art forms are so blurry. Yeah. If they even exist at all, you know, because the methodology that you, art is a very messy thing. And, <laughs> and that's the beautiful thing about it is that like, yeah, I mean, without starting a whole other hour conversation, <laughs> I agree. Let's talk about acting technique. So yeah. anyway, um, I'm going to read it one more time and then we can just move on. If that's cool. Yeah. Nobody tells this to people who are beginners. I wish someone told me. All of us who do creative work, we get into it because we have good taste. But there's a gap. For the first couple of years you make stuff, it's just not that good. It's trying to be good. It has potential, but it's not. But your taste, the thing that got you into the game, is still killer. And your taste is why your work disappoints you. A lot of people never get past this phase. They quit. Most people I know who do interesting creative work went through this for years. We know our work doesn't have this special thing that we want it to have. We all go through this. And if you're just starting out or you are still in this phase, you got to know it's normal. And the most important thing you can do is do a lot of work. Put yourself on a deadline so that every work, every week you will finish one story. It is only by going through a volume of work that you will close that gap and your work will be as good as your ambitions. And I took longer to figure out how to do this than anyone I ever met. It's going to take a while. It's normal to take a while. You just got to fight your way through. I want to qualify one thing that I said. Yeah. Which is the the whole thing about the gap between, you know, what your intention is and, and what the other people perceive. There's one problem with that, and that's external judgment. I don't think we should use that example necessarily because it implies that you're waiting for somebody else to say that that gap is now closed. Yeah. Um, he, what he's talking about here is closing the gap between your work and your ambition. Yeah. I think so. That, have yourself be your own gauge, not, I, I, not someone else. The more I think about it now, just, <clears throat> just in the span of this past 10 minutes and also kind of generally, the more I think that that really doesn't matter. You know, I think we've, we've talked about this before, but the, the more honest you are, and the less you resist, I'm talking specifically about acting here, but um, the less you resist an impulse and trust the story, the work you're doing, your life experience as a person, the richness of who you are, the more it's going to read however it needs to read to the person watching. You know, it'll be different for me, it'll be different for you, but we will yeah. both get something genuine out of it because it's honest and there, there's no substitute for honesty. Which almost brings us full circle because then going back to what I was saying about my fear, my big fear, mm-hmm. um, that shouldn't be there. It's sort of like we're having a breakthrough right here yeah. on, on Inside Acting. You're, you're, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Trevor and I have a psychological breakthrough right here on Inside Acting. Right, right, right. It's like that shouldn't, that shouldn't really be a fear. It should just be about closing that gap yeah. between your work and your ambition. Well, you know, it's so funny too because I... In this show, in group, and in The Good Prisoner, and in The War Cycle Plays, I've just kind of slowly been coming around to this in my head, this idea of just being completely honest on stage. You know, I talked about this a couple episodes ago with The Good Prisoner, but, like, what's really funny about it is that I am so much less nervous going out in front of a crowd of people that I don't know who are, you know, going to quote-unquote be judging my, my work if I just say to myself, just let it just be open and let it happen. You know, don't resist it. Just let it kind of flow. And it's, it's, it's amazing. I'm not, I'm not talking about myself here. I'm talking about the art, but it's like, if you just can be open to it and let it, what needs to happen, happen, and just be a channel for whatever it is that's, that needs to be said. It's not on you anymore. It's not, it's not your, it, I mean, it's not really in a much more spiritual sense. It's not your responsibility. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, yeah, the, I mean, the responsibility, re- an audience reaction is never an actor's responsibility. Well, but what I mean, I guess is, is don't put pressure on yourself. I I don't know what I'm saying actually anymore, but um, <laughs> it had to do <laughs> no, something with that. Don't yeah. let it go. Um, but yeah, man, that's, I think I need to print that quote out and put it up on my wall and stare at it for a couple of days and then or we'll weeks talk about or months it again. or years. Right on. 
Well, let's jump into this interview with Mark. Um, this part one interview and part two as well are so much good nuts and bolts stuff that you can do to market yourself and really just get out there and get more work. I mean, Mark's website, um, for those, we, we mentioned it in this episode, but the website is beaworkingactor.com. And I think that really encompasses exactly what he's all about. It's not, it's not about like it, what his focus is, is just getting you more work. Yeah. And it's, it's, just listen to the interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stop. You stop talking, Trev. Let's let Mark talk. Okay, so enjoy this. This will be part one, and we'll see you guys after the interview. All right, guys. Welcome back. We are sitting here with Mark Atterbury, actor, photographer, self-producer, marketing guru, multi-hyphenate <laughs> teacher. Yes, uh, uh, many, many, many different uh, hats you're wearing, Mark. Um, but we're very pleased to have you on on the on the program. So thanks for being here. Oh, my here. pleasure. So. We met Mark at ActorFest, uh, as you may uh, recall from, what was that, episode 36, Trev? 36, yeah. Yeah, and we, sitting in this hour and a half um, workshop, type workshop that, that you did, Mark, we knew, like, in the first couple of minutes that we, we had to have you as a guest <laughs> on the show because so many of the things that you were saying were so in line with things that we had talked about on the podcast and also taking those things kind of a step further. So before we jump into all of that, uh, we usually like to start out just talking about where people kind of got their start, you know, what brought you to acting, all of that stuff. So um, I think you have a, a bit of a story we were talking a bit about of a bit story. before we started yeah. recording. <laughs> um, well, I actually started as a musician. I mean, I played music my entire life. And um, that's what I thought I was going to do. So when I came down to Los Angeles, I actually came down here to go to school, but also to train and to get into the field down here. Uh, I played a lot of pit orchestras. I played trombone primarily uh, up in that area, up in San Francisco area for quite a while. So I came down here thinking I was going to take over the world. And, but um, Take over the world of, with your trombone. With my trombone and tuba. <laughs> I doubled. But uh, the <laughs> when... when uh, once I was down here and got into the field, I fell into acting. I met a guy named John Cochran, who was the head of the Yale Masters Department years ago, back in the Merrill Street days and all that stuff. And uh, the guy just rocked my world. And I was out of school, but he taught back at, at, in college. So I went back and I took a, as an alumni, I just took a course and had so much fun. I went, oh man, now I got to do this. <laughs> but And the transition was kind of weird because music wasn't happening the way I wanted it to. And I was having so much fun with acting. That's how That's how I fell into it. You know, and then I got into, I, I got an agent accidentally because I just happened to meet a casting director who goes, oh, go check out this agent. Tell him I sent you. So not knowing that agency, getting an agent was difficult. I got one like that. Right. So, and I, I literally just fell into it. I really did. And then I met some celebrities and that kind of helped as well. They got me through some doors and yeah, one thing led to another and. And then my acting career tanked. It went nowhere. So, so you took the easy route. Yeah. That's but awesome. I did find out how difficult it was. And that's why, that's where the photography really came in. Uh, photography has been my hobby, my hobby my entire life. And so once acting wasn't going quite the way I wanted it to, I started shooting headshots and that snowballed, got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then I started getting some nice celebrities and then that led to some commercial campaigns. And so now I do a little bit of commercial photography as well as still some headshots. Awesome. So yeah, and then acting came back about three, four years ago. So, so when you say acting tanked, what it, so you said you had like you these things kind of fell into place and then it tanked. So what? Yeah, I, I mean, I did do a fair amount of commercial work. I did a good amount of voiceover work, so uh, I did have some fun with that. But it, it was just it was really not going in anywhere. And then for some reason, and now I know because I talk about type and teach type. Um, my type was changing and I wasn't adjusting to that at all. Hmm. And so I really was getting no work. I was still trying to do the same old thing that I had kind of grown out of. I just wasn't working no more. So, I mean, thankfully I had photography and that grew and the teaching grew and all that stuff. Do you mind so, if I ask uh, how old you were when you felt like your type was changing? Um, I mean, I'm sure it'd be different for every person, but it's just interesting to me to hear somebody be, well, I mean, you weren't self-aware at the time, but yeah. now you are. Uh, know that your t type was changing. What age about was that? It's a good happening? question, actually. About thirty. Okay. Yeah. Huh. I think so. Right. I mean, the twenties. You know, we're kind of going, and 
I still look young. I mean, I had that going for me, but even so, I didn't have the inner life and the personality that, that matched, and I was trying to do something I really wasn't. So in 30s, that's when I really started focusing on other things. Huh. And then when did you come back around to acting? I mean, I never let acting go entirely. I will say that. It's always been a part of me, and I just I love it. I absolutely love it. But um, career-wise, I wasn't as focused on that. Uh, it came back probably about three and a half, four years ago. Uh, I went to a, an acting studio, and a bunch of people said, let's do a play. So we did. We put up uh, Angel City by Sam Shepard. Just like, if we're going to do it, let's do crazy, man. Let's do Sam Shepard in <laughs> yeah, like his right. crazy period. And that led to uh, I, a manager came who I knew because I had shot a lot of her clients as a headshot photographer. And she came and uh, went, I didn't know you act. I'm like, yeah. She's like, let me, let me send you out. So once again, I fell into right, right, right. You know, a really good manager. Right. Well, that's, that's cool. What I like about that is that it just, it just shows that it's, it's all about relationships. It's not it is. Some, there's no magic formula. It's just it about is. being a cool guy, being out there and working and being friendly with people. And then yeah. the, the right things kind of tend to come along. Yeah. There's yeah. three things, man. If you just do these three relationships, keep those going, always hang out, do stuff with people in the business. Um, the second one is just focus entirely on your craft. And the third one is uh, it's right time, right place. The first, uh, the, the two you can do stuff about the right time, right place. You just got to keep doing it and hoping that that happens at some point when you're at the right time at the right place. Yeah. So that's it. I mean, that's that's really the secret right there to acting. We're done. Yeah. Good night, guys. Yeah. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very quick. That was a quick interview. That was yeah. Easy peasy. All right, get out of here. And I'm a firm believer in theater, man. I think every actor should be involved in theater on some level or production yes. fist pump, kind of fist pump. yes yeah yeah yes well I mean, i'm yeah. working on luck you right can now stay. <laughs> the, the dustin hoffman series the hbo new series is coming out next yeah. year and mm-hmm. um those guys are all theater guys i mean you know nick nolte dustin hoffman dennis Farina, yeah. I mean, those guys that's where they they got there especially dustin i mean that's where they you know yeah sharpen their teeth at yeah absolutely so, yeah and they still they still have the desire they still talk about it all and pacino look at pacino he can't stop doing theater yeah yeah so it's true Right on, yes. dude. Yeah. So, so affirmation, yes. <laughs> validation. Um, so, so around thirty or so, you said you kind of drifted away, and then you started to come back a couple of years ago. So, I, I'm fascinated by this kind of evolution that you you had between twenty and twenty years old or so. Um, yeah, is that about when you started twenty or so? I started probably. I dabbled maybe early mid twenties, around twenty four is when I met this guy John Cochran. So okay. that's when I started to dabble. Okay. And then I, I did. I had a fair amount of success pretty quickly, you know, just because of falling into the right circles and, and my right place at the right time. Right. But yeah, and around 30 is just when I, I, I wouldn't say it, it faded or anything. I was still trying. I still wanted to do it. I just wasn't having the success I wanted to. Right. You know. I, I, have a, I have a question, actually. We, we have a lot of uh, listeners sometimes uh, call or write in that are like, you know, uh, should I go to school for this? Should I not go to school for this? Um, m- my question is not necessarily about that specifically it's that you you didn't go to school specifically for acting for theater to get your degree in that field so i'm wondering when all of this sort of success started happening you started as you said falling into it where you you know sort of accidentally got an agent and that kind of stuff where where yeah which is like it amazing. was so accidental i don't want to make it sound like you know, oh i don't want to do this come on like, no. you said it you said it you, no, I know, was, I know. your words your words um, what, uh, my question is, what were your resources? Where did you go to sort of learn how the business worked at that point, being that you weren't necessarily involved with it before then? Cause like yeah. for, for, for me, one of the things that I enjoyed about going to school so much is even though I didn't learn a lot about the business side of the business in school, which is, I think one of the shortcomings of a lot of the yeah. programs in the country. Um, I still felt that I sort of like eased into the business. Like it was right. a little bit easier to kind of ease in because I was getting at least training. Um, so I'm wondering if you, you know, you graduate and all of a sudden you meet this, this, uh, uh, gentleman from Yale and, and, and it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to start acting now. Wh- who did you, where did you go? What, what were your resources at that point? Well, fortunately the casting director that I, I had met, um, told me, she goes, you got to get into a good class. You got to get a really good agent. I mean, she was actually very instrumental in, sort of pushing me directions that I didn't have to learn. I mean, she basically filled me in. So I immediately went to some really good teachers and I've studied with some of the, the best teachers around, you know, in the last 20 years, certainly. So I was pushed in that direction. I was told, you know, even though you didn't go to college for it, you got to get in a class and learn to do some good work. 
So, like, I studied with Ivana for four years, Roy London, um, Howard Fine. I mean, all the, the kind of guys that have been around for quite a while. Larry Moss, you know, studied back in his heyday. and So, I that does make a difference. I mean, you really do need to stay focused and keep practicing that craft. Because here's the irony is, like, it, I really learned the business kind of in the second half of my career because I was in the business. And not meaning as an actor, meaning I was now shooting commercial campaigns as a photographer, casting, you know, TV commercials as well as still campaigns as part of a, a team of people for one of the big clients like Big Lots. I mean, I really learned a lot about the business there. When I was a headshot photographer, or I still am, but when, I, when I'm doing headshot photographer, agents are very clear to say, man, you're not even getting it all with this person cast-like. You know, have, have you even thought about that? I mean, I learned by talking wow. to agents. Yeah, and it, so it, my school was actually being in the business on the other side. It's like, you know, live or die. So And that, that's how I got to know all the stuff from the business side. But it was kind of a combination of things happening at the same time. I was pushed, though, and that did help. It did have the, help to have the advice of this casting director you know, to, to go. You better get in classes because your competition is the best in the world. And I remember my first thing I did was a commercial, my first big thing I did. And I, I was horrible. <laughs> I really was horrible. I remember looking at it afterwards going, wow, I suck. And it was on every day. Um, it ran for four years on Channel 5, like at 11.30, every single day, Monday through Friday. So I'd have to see it over and over and over and over and over. So during those years, I felt like the impulse of like, keep going with class. Keep going with class. You know what I mean? <laughs> Don't so ever funny. be on camera like this again. Yeah. That's so funny. Wow. So, it's, it, so at least I knew. I mean, it's great. Like you guys, you know, you went to college. It's it's great. The great thing about college, as we talked about, is you get a circle of friends, too, that just keep moving through the business and keep helping each other get jobs. That's a great thing. But you also form a nice foundation of getting, you know, how you work. It's that, very true. It becomes a habit. It's very true. So when you go on a set, you know, okay, I got to do a little bit of my preparation. I got to do my, you know, my scene study or my, uh, my script breakdown. You know that because you've set good patterns. So anybody that hasn't taken classes, get in there, man. You got to get those classes and get some kind of a routine. Culture. I always use the analogy of uh, like basketball players, you know, before they do a free throw, they all have a routine. You know, it's like three bounces, look at the hoop, three more bounces, That's look at so the hoop, funny. one more, shoot. You know what I mean? They right, got and they right, do it right. every single time. But I think actors should do the same thing too. It's like here's a role, I gotta do all my things and my prep, and now I'm ready to shoot. Yeah. And you learn that in class. Right on. That's a good. That's a good tip. I, li- I like that a lot. Yeah. So tip. Um, I got that basketball pun tip. Oh, I didn't mean to do that. Thank you. It worked. Yes, that's me. Just missed a pun. Um, so, so you. I mean, one of the reasons. I mean, we met you at Actor Fest, where you, where we sat in on this kind of hour and a half session on type right. being a type and things like that. But you gave some really wonderful, practical nuts and bolts advice for how to. Like almost like position yourself from a marketing standpoint in this industry to kind of capitalize on your strengths as an actor and really kind of take a, a beeline to getting right. to getting cast more often. Right. So can you talk a little bit about how this ideology? De- I mean, you, it's obviously you've yeah. talked about you know working on the other side of the, of yeah. the camera helped helped it develop, but how it developed and then and then what exactly it is that you really kind of offer like uh, to to actors as far as advice and, and right. Like um, we are talking about the other side of the camera. What I really learn from that is LA is such a typecasting town and you hear it but I, I did I had no idea it was as <laughs> as big of a deal as it really is I mean it really is about typecasting and acting doesn't even matter that much that's what kind of blew my mind once I got to the other side I'm sorry to interrupt you real fast we're we talking both commercially and theatrically commercially and theatrically okay. absolutely right on and part of the things that has changed that over time is because I think back when it used to be actors could do a lot more stuff but it's the speed of things. I mean, casting is so fast now. You know, I, I, I don't bet you guys, but when I'm acting, I literally get the script like 4 to 7 p.m. at night for a 9 a.m. audition tomorrow morning, and it books for the next day. I mean, it's that fast. Yeah, yeah. They can't do much exploring and trying people out and seeing, oh, this guy's always done this, but let's see if he could do this. They don't have time for that. So because of the speed, they now basically go, oh, no, he's perfect for that. He fits that type. Let's just throw him into the role. Bring him in, see if he can, you know, if he can do it fine, and make the director and the producers happy. Send him in. So that speed has made things even worse in terms of tight casting. So in terms of what I learned was, man, I need to be telling actors about this stuff because I didn't know a lot about the business side when I first started out. And I think trying to make myself do everything was was a flaw in my business plan. 
you know, because I was trying to do all these different characters. And it's like, 65-year-old woman, I can do that, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. Right. I did it in theater. <laughs> right, 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 right. But we all do. We learn that, especially if we come into town from doing community theater, you know, we think we can do everything because we yeah. do do everything. And it's, it's not that way in L.A. So that was the big eye-opener. So then um, once I realized that it is about typecasting, uh, then it's just like, well, how do I help actors to see what their type is? You know, how do you identify that? So I started coming up with exercises, and I would do that in my headshot photography when it first started. You know, we'd have a big discussion about typing and, and how are you going to cast, and let's take advantage of that because if that's how you're naturally going to cast, man, you've got to hit that one because that's what's going to make you the big bucks. You know, I tell people, because people always have that thing of, you know, well, so I don't want to be typecast. Yeah. I, I can do anything. You we, know, I'm an actor. That happened in your, in, in, at ActorFest. I remember did. this. Yeah. It was, yeah. There was that one girl and who was were, like, but I, don't want to be, <laughs> I don't want to be typecast. It's, it's, it's funny, the resistance, the pushback. It is. You know, she, she probably was, you know, sort of from that community theater idea yeah. of like, well, I don't want to be typecast. I don't want to be pigeonholed. And, right. and you were like, why not? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's going to make you money. Like, what? Well, that's the thing. It's like, it's, okay, I can get on Sepulveda and I can crawl at a pace and barely move or I can jump on the 405 and go super fast and get to my destination you know yeah. and be there and do whatever I want once I'm there I mean it's it's why pass up something that will help you get to that point to where you can do anything and you, you once said, you're a celebrity you can do anything you want yeah exactly you said something really interesting uh, and I think you said this in the workshop you said Charlize Theron yeah. had a really brilliant kind of idea for how she wanted to do it she yeah. wanted to play that kind of like blonde ingenue character exactly until yeah. she was able to establish enough to play the monster roles and right like that. exactly and i used to be in class i used to be in acting class with charlise and she just got it i mean she knew what she did well and she'd do it over and over and over and over and over and she always had that monster thing in the back of her mind of like i really want to do those kind of films but she knew if she just keeps hitting it which she did nail what she does perfectly what she does naturally you know and then one day she's Charlize Theron, recognizable actor. It's like, now I want to do Monster. Sure, go ahead. Right, right, right. You know, you can sell tickets. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. it is. <laughs> what was really heartening about what you just said was that it, it almost made me think like that maybe for the actor who doesn't have a lot of credits on their resume, yeah. that it's not nearly as hard to, you know, quote unquote, break in as it used to be because it's such a fast casting process now. It's like, will the producers be happy? Great. Throw them in. Yeah. He's got the right look. Great. Yeah. And it's not so much about like, well, have they done much work on a set before? Right. I mean, that's still exactly. a factor, but it seems like it's less of a factor now. It is. And there are certain casting directors and shows that, you know, like Criminal Minds is renowned in this town for, they're really open to new talent and seeing new talent. Scott's a great guy. He's a great casting director, great guy. Mm-hmm. And then there are others that I won't mention that are not open to new talent whatsoever. They've got their five agencies, the top five. They really like them and that's where they pull from. Right. You know? Right. Certain shows like House is pretty renowned. They generally they don't always put out a breakdown. Sometimes they just call their favorite agencies and go, "Who you got?" Right. You know, so you just got to find the right places. Yeah. But it's interesting. Now, how how in your estimation, like, what would be the best way for somebody to go do that? Like, find the best places. I mean, obviously, would you do you recommend things like casting director workshops and that kind of thing? <sighs> I love when I get this question because I'm probably the only person that has this answer. Um, <clears throat> Here's my feeling on casting director workshops. I think when you're first starting out, it is actually a good thing to do when you're at a good talent level. I mean, make sure you have the assessment of a teacher that's honest with you or someone that will be very honest with you and go, am I at a good talent level? Because if you go in there and you're horrible, they're going to remember you. You know what I mean? I hate to say that, but they, 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 they do. They will forget after a period of time, you know, but I, I don't recommend someone go and just put out a, a bad version of you to start with because right. you're making bad first impressions. But if you're at a good talent level, I think it's good to kind of get out there and get to know a few people. Where I think it's best is you get real comfortable auditioning in front of casting directors. Because, you know, you, how many times have we go in as actors? I remember when we first starting out, like, shaking so bad, like the chair shaking mm-hmm. as you're sitting there waiting. You know, it's just like you want to get over that or you want to get to the place to where at least, like now, I'm still nervous every time I audition, but it's like... I've accepted it. That's just part of the audition process and I'm completely comfortable with it. Yeah. You know, so once you're at a place you feel comfortable auditioning, those kind of things will help you to be really good at feeling natural auditioning for a casting director. You know, so that's the biggest benefit of it. I think, um, the long, I, I'll be honest, I'll tell you the story. This is, this is where I form my opinion of, of corporate workshops. Um, Jeff Greenberg, I won't say who, but had an assistant a while back who uh, came in and did corporate workshops. And I did a trade, with uh, I did a bunch of photography for one of the bigger studios, co-writing workshop studios, um, for 50 free workshops. So I did a bunch of photography for them. I got 50. 
And I, so I did. I did 50 of cold reading workshops. I got called in, and I do think I was one of the better actors in class, and I hope that's not my ego speaking, <laughs> but I did get a fair amount of calls. But it, every time I went into the audition, it always felt like it was obligatory, like they needed to pick one person from the class just uh, to do it. Yeah. And I'd be like, all right, thank you, Mark. You know, it just never felt like I'm excited to see what you're going to do. What are you going to do? It right. never felt like that. Where now, you know, some of the casting sessions are that way. Um, and I talked to this assistant because she became an agent and she called me up out of the blue and she goes, listen, I'm forming an agency and I'd love to represent you. Where are you at? Who's your agent? Are you happy with them? We had a meeting and, um, and I asked her, I said, well, what do you think of cold reading workshops? Cause you know, that's where I saw her again. And she goes, I know you from Jeff's office. She goes, I remember you as a working actor that we'd audition regularly. She goes, unfortunately the, the cold reading workshop people I think of as cold reading workshop actors. There's like the working actors and the cold reading workshop actors. Mm. And she says, that is in my mind. So she said, for that reason, I don't really recommend it. She says, you know, and I said, well, it's been good to help me get comfortable. And she said, then, and that's a good reason. So there are pluses and minuses to it. That's my honest answer based on what she that said. It's really interesting. But it's that thing of, you know, don't be an extra because if they start seeing you as an actor, <clears throat> they'll always think it. And I think there's some truth to that. Mm-hmm. Because one of the biggest things I think I've learned in life is... People generally remember how they first meet you, you know what I mean? And they don't really – that's why when friends start out and you're both, you know, hacks and you're going at something, you tend to remember each other as that. Now, if you grow together, it's different. But if you just kind of move on and do your own things and you come back and one person's got successful, they still see the other person as that basic person they used to know in the beginning. Right. I think that's the best articulation of why my manager doesn't like the casting director workshops. Because remember, I mean, we talked about this so long ago. Yeah, to to to, qual- to qualify <clears throat> the context in which we were kind of asking that question, yeah. we we've talked about this in the podcast a lot from both sides of the of the coin. Like, right. are they a ripoff? Are these cast directors just there to make money, or are they a legitimate way to actually get known? And yeah. so we we've never really come up with a solid answer, but it's always interesting to continue the conversation. Yeah, we've had <clears throat> we've had casting directors yeah. actually on the show, kind of explaining the whole. What just happened this year with the the better what is it better business bureau or the state of oh, California yeah. kind yeah. of going yeah. after yeah. the DA's office? <clears throat> yeah, kind of going after them because you know uh, looking at them for like fraud and stuff. Like it was a huge yeah. right. thing that happened. So yeah. it's been a big topic of conversation. Uh, yeah, it is over the course of this past this past year, especially. So we've had people say yes, they're great, and no, they're terrible, and everything in between. And I think that that what you just said is exactly what the reason why. My my manager in particular doesn't like them, and I don't think that she even knows how to articulate it yeah. the way that you did. And I and I think that's it. I think that's a good explanation is that she doesn't want the casting directors to sort of start to see you as the, the guy from the casting director workshop as opposed to right. the working actor who just happened to come into their office. But there's sort of a catch-22 there, too, because like how yeah. if you're just starting out, how do you get into those offices in the first well, place? Well, exactly. And people do book work from them. It's not like they never do. I mean, there is things that, that are booked right. from them, especially like, like again, like Scott from Google yeah, Minds. He, he I mean, he's so good. At, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there are benefits to doing those kind of things with the right people. How do you find that out? I guess just kind of talk to a lot of different people that have done them. Um, I do think there's good and bad though. It's like, I like actors key. I don't know if you guys know much about yeah, actors. Key. Actors Key's yeah. great. I, I really like them. And what I think is beneficial. And even I've done this a couple of times is find a cast and director on a show. I would never work for, well, I won't say never, but it's not really the kind of thing that that's right for me at all and go in and do that just to get a little bit of feedback. Cause the great thing about actors key is they do give you the feedback, you know, written feedback and they'll talk about your headshot. And mm-hmm. so you're getting one person's opinion. Um, and it's a casting director, so it's, it's valuable. But it's also a show that you're probably not likely going to be up for. So there's a benefit to that. So I mean, it's, I, it's, it's almost like a no-pressure situation. Interesting. Well, it, it is in a way. I mean, again, I don't want to – it's one of those weird things. I don't want to discourage people and say don't ever do casting you know, workshops because there is some value to it and there is a chance. But it's that big thing of like are you a showcase actor or are you a working actor? And the one thing I will tell you guys, and you know I talk about this in my seminars and now it's my intensives – it's the whole focus at the end of the class. It's self-produce. If you want to be a working actor and get known as a working actor, not a showcase actor, get out there and self-produce. Because most actors, just first they get an agent, and then they just kind of wait for calls. Then they get a little active, and they start doing cold reading workshops. And they think, okay, now I'm getting out there. I'm doing cold reading workshops. I'm doing what an actor should do. I'm taking classes. And it's like, no, man. The big actors, they, they do their own thing, whether it's a, a play you know, producing a play, whether it's a film, producing, you're known now as a working actor, someone that just does those things that working actors do. Right. 
I know both Trevor and I want to spend a lot of time talking to you about sort of the whole self self producing thing, which and this would have been a perfect segue. But before we get into it, I have to bring up another sort of controversial uh, topic Uh-oh. around the, along the same lines of the casting director and the casting director workshop, um, and that is postcards. So <laughs> well, you can use the postcards to to promote your. Your, the work you're doing. Right, yeah. right. Your web series. Exactly. Your shorty, exactly. Or whatever. But, but we have had the most ridiculous, and I guess this will be one of those things on the podcast that just never, quote unquote, gets solved. Yeah. You know, like I, I think that we'll never, we'll either never stop talking about it or we will stop talking about it because we'll realize that there's no such thing as an answer. Right. Um, <clears throat> but because you spend so much time working on um, uh, actor type, you know, helping actors discover their type and putting together successful marketing campaigns, uh, and for yourself included, yeah. you know, we saw some of your material at the at the at ActorFest. We we have had so many people saying like, you know, yes, send postcards out, you know, once every three weeks, and no, never send postcards out, like yeah. never send and. I, I don't know. We we it's just been like this debate on the podcast that I, we could talk about at length. But I really just kind of wanted to throw it out there and see what you, your take on them is because it seems like you use it and you use it to a degree of success too. Yeah. So, yeah. what is your take on sending sending out postcards to casting directors? I, I mean, I think it's actually a good <clears throat> idea, and it's. First of all, you're never going to please everybody. Never. I mean, certain casting directors hate them. And no matter how hard you try, you're never going to make those people happy if you send them a postcard. And I think that's fine. You know what I mean? So you generally want to find what works for the most part and kind of stick with it. It's the same thing with typecasting. Let's be really honest. Every casting director is going to have a little bit of different opinion of you. No one's going to have the identical opinion that another one does because we all see things a little bit different. But what we care about in this business is what rises to the top most. You know, you guys saw when I, in my class when I do a typing exercise, it's it, you, you get a bunch of different answers, but what you care about are the ones that come up the most for you. Yeah. So, and and that's how the business is too. Postcards, I think generally they are a pretty good thing to do. Most ca- I do a lot of seminars with casting directors teaching around the country, and they all basically say the same thing. It's just like it's a, it's a good effective way to stay in touch because it's not offensive to them. Yeah. For the most part. Well, you you mentioned in the seminar like the Bed Bath and Beyond flyers that we all get, yeah. like one every day. Yeah. And yeah, they're annoying, but. Hell, dude! If I need a pillow, I'm going to go to Bed Bath and Beyond. Yeah, you know, because yeah. it's in my head. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's 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 called the rule of sevens. And Dallas yeah. Travers talks about this a lot in her seminars. Well, I love Dallas for the business side, yeah. um, but it's called the rule of seven, and it's basically um, you have to do something seven times before people recognize it, or you have to put yourself out there seven times in front of somebody before they recognize you. And it's actually known as the 7 to 21 rule in the business mm-hmm. world. Yeah, I've heard of 13. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and that's what I mean. That's why it's the 7 to 21. There's yeah. different numbers that different people will say. But yeah, once people have seen my postcards um, seven times, they begin to recognize it. And you know, people that I work with, people I've shot with, people, my, my clients I work with in consultations, um, we have a, a look, we have a color scheme, we have a branding you know, identification thing with each one of their postcards, and it's consistent. So they start to recognize it. I think I show the one in the class. Mine, my colors are purple and black. Yeah, I, have, I play a lot of bad guys. I still guys. have one of yours on my desk because I, I look at it because I think about when I'm going to design my own, and I notice that the, the whole color scheme thing I'm fascinated yeah. by. Yeah, it is. But the color schemes help define me even more. Yeah. Purple is a little bit of richness. It's purple, blue, and black. Um, purple and blue especially show a little bit of richness. I play characters that have a little bit more money or clout or that. I don't play lower class as much. Um, black because I do a lot of dark characters, you know, right. people you think are nice and rich and together, but they're not, they're twisted and they're the serial rapist. Right. So it, for <laughs> me, that really works. And then I've got other clients where it's literally like lime and orange, you know, which is crazy, but it works perfect for that client. But these things stick in people's mind. It's right. like bed, bath, me on. It's always blue. Yeah. What so you're going to recognize it. It's always blue with a big 20% on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and they've sent it out so many times. Yeah, like you said, you know, it's, you know, you go to Bed and Bath Beyond when you need 20% off, you just wait for that coupon. Absolutely. And it's coming. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally, exactly. So, and that, that is the rule of sevens, and you apply that to, like we were saying earlier, to what generally comes up. Yeah. Now, I, another quick question about postcards, because, um, I, and I, I, I kind of think, I think I might know the answer, but I'm going to ask anyway, because, there are postcards you can send for specific jobs that you've booked. Like the yeah. one I have is when you booked a, a spot on, uh, I forget the, the show 
off the top of my head, but it was it was a spot, and you said, you know, thanks to the cast and crew of this yeah. show for a great shoot. And that was very kind of specific postcard. Like you had it made specifically for that job. Right. Do you also have, like, general postcards with just your headshot to send us thank you notes? I or? don't. Yeah, to be very honest with you, I, I, I want to stick with the casting director's <clears throat> opinions, general opinion on this one, which is please just remind us when you're doing something. Uh-huh. And here's the point. If you find – I mean, I find if I don't have a postcard to send out, I'm being lazy. It's time to get out there and do something as an actor. Oh, I love that. Because That's it doesn't, awesome. Yeah, what, a it great, what a great measuring stick. Well, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. I do try to send them out about every three to six weeks. I try to get something out there. Like right now, I'm not sending anything well, out because the business is shut down. It's December. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, but, right, right. But that is what I do. And, and so it's like, all right, let's get together and do short film with my buddies. And so I have something to promote at least, even if it's not a TV show or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I I think that is the general consensus that we've come to. Even even though what I was saying before about never really having an answer is yeah. that you know uh, one of the people that came down on the side of absolutely not was m- once again my manager who is a recurring character on our, on our podcast. But she was like, "Why are you sending them a thank you card for doing their job?" Yeah, like you know, absolutely not. And and so I think the general consensus we came to was like, if you're gonna do it, if you're gonna send postcards, make sure you have a reason to do yeah. it. And yeah. um, Jason Lapadura at Actorfest was saying like, I want, I, I love getting postcards because yeah. it reminds me that you're out, there. you're out there. He says I want them every three weeks, and that's like, I mean, obviously a guy who casts a lot of episodic television, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, um. But when we were when he was sitting next to Frank Levy. John, or John John Levy, John Frank Levy, it, it, they were sitting on the, on the same panel, and the, I, and the uh, topic of postcards came up again. Jason Lapadura repeated himself, and he was like, "I, you know, send them send them to me every three weeks, even if it's like I just changed my hair color." And John Levy was like, "Absolutely not!" Yeah. He's like, "Keep that stuff out of my mailbox. Are you kidding me? I I will, I will throw it in the trash. I hate that." Yeah. So, like you said, you can't please everyone, but if you're gonna do it, at least. Make sure that it's because you're doing something. Yeah. For the most know? part, that will generally please the casting directors. You know, <clears throat> I mean, let's be honest. They get a hundred submissions every single day. That's what I've heard. Agencies get a hundred eight by tens. Casting directors get at least a hundred postcards every day. Um, so they don't have time to go through them all and read what each one says. <laughs> so for the most part, I'm, that's why I believe in the branding thing. I mean, it, it, I'll go back to Bed Bath & Beyond. We get 16 pieces of junk mail every single day. At least I can recognize the Bed Bath & Beyond. Right. I may not take the time to read you know, the fine print and go, when's it overdue and all that stuff. But it's in one hand and immediately in the pile. I know what it is. Same thing with postcards. If you have something, they like, never expire. By the way, you can you can go after the expi- expiration date. No, you're right. Yeah, 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 you're right. California law. But, um, but we are not. We're not sponsored by Bed Bath and Beyond. <laughs> However, I am. Um, the uh, the postcards. If you have something that's standard, again, you know, a standard color set, a basic format that just basically changes a little bit, they do recognize that. Seeing that over and over and over, seven that's times. Yeah, now, in, in your that's experience, in your experience, do do they or to your knowledge? Because I can see if they're getting 100 postcards a day, yeah. do they have like an assistant that says, here are the postcards. Do you want to look at them? No. Trash. Yeah. So so there's a yeah. very good chance your stuff's not even going to get seen by anybody yeah. but maybe the assistant. This is, I call these my green room conversations. Of okay. When I'm doing something at SAG Foundation or wherever and I'm sitting backstage, I'll ask the honest questions like, seriously, do you guys even look at every headshot? No. You know, and that's yeah. when they're honest. And sometimes, you know, if, if we have time, absolutely. If we don't have time, it's the whole stack goes to the right. trash. I mean, it's unfortunate. But again, that's the nature of advertising. That's the nature of right. branding. Right. It's like you just put it out there, hoping it's at the right time in the right place. Well, it's the same yeah. thing as the junk mail you get with the Bed Bath & Beyond thing. Sometimes yeah. that whole pile goes exactly. to the trash. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of times, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but it's it, better than not doing anything at all. Well, you know? and exactly. Because yeah. yeah. I hear, you know, actors sit and complain about, you know, well, I sent all my headshots to every agency in town. I got no responses. And I'm like, well, it could have been a very busy week when that came in. And none of the agencies will have time. I mean, you literally are hoping that your picture comes in at a time when they need your type and they have time to open it. Yeah. It's like cover letters. People always go, you know, do they read cover letters? Um, sometimes they do read cover letters. If it's a long cover letter, nope. If it's a paragraph, a short paragraph or three sentences, right. they might. You know, they might, but even if they don't have time, forget it. They don't. Yeah. So put your focus where it really matters. I got a really good headshot. <laughs> put a little sticky in the front that says I'm great with comedy because I know agents are always looking for comedy. You know, people that are good with comedy threw it in an envelope and I just threw it out. No one got response. No, no responses came. I did it again three weeks later. None came again. Three weeks later, I did it once more. Just and suddenly I got seven calls. Yeah. Right, right, right. right. Wow. Cool. Now, do you, do you send postcards to um, 
for instance, like casting directors maybe that you haven't met or don't have a relationship with? Um, yeah, I do. Okay. It's funny because you talk about you're a manager. I have, I, I love because my manager and my agent have very different opinions of, of this kind of stuff. Cause, uh, my manager also is, she believes in postcards, but it's like, have a purpose where he's more of just like, keep reminding him, you know? Um, another one is that I, I show the promo in class. I have, I sent out a, a really nice promo that basically brands me just so they can remember me. And, and what I was working on the phrase I've been working with is the evil bad guy. I'm sorry, the, uh, the evil best friend. Cause people see me as a best friend forever. I'm a nice guy. I'm approachable, but he's twisted. So we have fun playing with those kind of phrases of like, you know, you ever wonder if your best friend's evil? This oh, one cool. is. Cool. Yeah. And you open it up yeah. and there's my picture, mm-hmm. you know? So we play with things like that, but my manager hates it because my manager believes that actors should be able to play a lot more stuff where my, my agents all for it. He's like, man, let's just brand and get specific and let you nail it. So he's more coming from the school that I come from. And we, I agree with both sides, but again, I talk in generalities. I'm going to go where what generally works and being very specific with your target marketing, being very specific with your branding, your colors, everything else does work more often than it doesn't. So sorry, manager. All right, guys. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed part one of our interview with Mark Atterbury. Um, part two will be coming next week, and uh, we may actually have him back as a repeat guest because, like we said, there's there's so much that we didn't get to touch on uh, in these first two parts. Yeah, you'll hear us talk about. You'll hear us mention that after the second part of the interview. And there's actually some stuff that we asked him specifically after we stopped rolling because I wanted to ask him in the interview, and we just ran out of time and. I'm just going to sort of tack it on when we talk about it next week. I'm just going to yeah. sort of uh, ask and answer those questions. Yeah. So stay tuned for that as well. Cool. All right. And I guess that does it yeah. for episode, Good episode. Uh, 39. So, Dude, we are almost at 40 episodes. Shh, shh. Don't jinx it. Why don't I with that? <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, yeah. So uh, in the meantime, please send in your questions or... Oh, you know what we need to remind everyone about is the horror actor stories. horror stories. So we're still doing this. We mentioned this several episodes ago and just haven't mentioned it in a, in a little while. If you have an audition horror story, we want to hear about it. So, you know, something went bad or it's just a funny story. We're, we're thinking we might actually put together an entire episode that's just audition horror stories uh, and bring it to you sometime in the next year or, in, you know, in 2011. Yeah. I think not, it's next, a lot. not next year, a year from now. You won't hear this a Jeez. year from now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but it's it's. I think it will be fun. I think it will be fun just to have an episode where we just kind of laugh at ourselves, yeah. basically. And there's so much that we can learn from that kind of thing, you know. <clears throat> it's going to be fun. Absolutely. So send those in either to our email address at insideactingpodcast at gmail.com or... You can call us, uh, leave us a voicemail at 213-2-ACTORS. That's 213-222-8677. Or if you want, you can record uh, an MP3, you know, using your iPhone, your and your your uh, Droid phone, your whatever, or your computer and just send it to us that way. That's just as good. Yeah, you can also tweet us. We're at twitter.com slash insideacting or our individual accounts at twitter.com slash digitalactor or, and or twitter.com slash Trevor Algott. And we've got our Facebook page. You can do a search for Inside Acting on Facebook. You can also do a search for Inside Acting on iTunes mm-hmm. and subscribe to the podcast there. Leave us a review if you'd like. Yeah. Five-star review, preferably. <laughs> you can leave us a review on iTunes and also at ActorRated. Yeah, and actually the guys at ActorRated are, are awesome guys. And uh, they're going to be featuring uh, our podcast on their blog every week as well. So um, if you want to uh, direct friends over there to check it out. Might be kind of cool. Another another place that we that we're going to be kind of living True. on the internet. And what are we missing? We do this whole thing uh, completely out of pocket. We've been working our tails off. We may, you know, in the future, figure out other ways of of you know generating uh, money so that we can keep this thing going. But in the meantime, we're completely one hundred percent reliant on you. I feel like we run a national public radio station yeah. well, we're, we're basically know. not we're a non-profit right now you know like <laughs> we're yeah what's the opposite of profit <laughs> yeah. it's not non-profit it's 
We we basically pay for all of the uh, equipment, the gas to get around to the interviewees, the storage space, the file hosting, the bandwidth, the website, the domain name. I mean, it, it adds up the software pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, software. there's there's tons of uh, of costs, and you know, we actually we fronted most of them. We're taking your donations, and we're just kind of like. We're using them to, to pay for these things, but we're also hoping to kind of upgrade the podcast in the future. So we're actually saving a lot of it, too, because we want to we wanna bring you guys a, a bigger, better, faster, <laughs> stronger, better-looking podcast yes. uh, in the future. So, uh, so we have a lot of cool changes in the pipeline, but um, we need we need money to do them. So um, if you get something out of this podcast, kick us a few bucks. A dollar even uh, goes a long way. And remember, everything that you donate to us you can write off as an education expense um, come tax time. So um, save those receipts when you do donate, and then uh, watch it come back to you, because karma is real. Karma is real. <laughs> so we have two ways of doing so. You guys can hit up our website for both. You can either make a one-time donation, or we've actually set up a subscription model so that you can donate 3 5 10 or $20, $20. Yeah. a month. Uh, if you, if you and you can cancel that so any time. Yeah, if you want to, and then yeah. you find out a couple months from now that maybe it's a little much for you, you can downgrade, upgrade, cancel it, whatever. We don't... We, we're just thankful that you're contributing. All right. Well, so that's it. I guess that'll do it. Yeah. So for episode 39, I'm AJ Meyer. I'm Trevor Algott. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, keep your imagination in the gutter. <laughs> 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 <laughs>